0: Right now, amidst COVID-19, young people who have experienced severe traumas are still in need of love, support, and healing. We know that at the center of every practical need in these young people is a deep desire for relationship, and that doesn't change even from a distance. Today on the Learning and Community Podcast, we wrestle with how to come alongside young people who have experienced trauma.
1: Community podcast where every week we explore resources and ideas to maximize the impact of youth workers across our community. (laughs) Hello, everyone. This is producer Danielle here, co hosting with Rachel. Hey, hey, while Josh is on vacation. We are joined again this week by Tacoma YFC Communications and Marketing Coordinator, Erin Randall. (laughs) Hello, Erin. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so while Erin is now on staff on our development team, She was a special education teacher in Tacoma for eleven years. So, this is how we're going to start this off. Can you describe what an average day looked like for you as a teacher?
0: No, Um, (laughs) (laughs) because there's like that's not a thing that exists. Um, (laughs) I yeah, I had I tried every year with a new kind of plan book and tried to set up a schedule and tried to set up and it just you just. Your average day as a special education teacher in in Tacoma has to look like just um, the cliche of holding it in an open hand. Like the plan (laughs) is to do reading today. The reality is I might be catching chairs today. It just depends on (laughs) what happens. As long as you're not
1: throwing the chairs. I know.
0: Just catching them.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, something that you had mentioned in the last podcast, too, is about how uh, a lot of the behaviors that you are processing with kids in the classroom, whether that's, like, delay in their ability to read or that is, like, behaviors at recess, et cetera, um, they're usually rooted in something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and you spend a lot of your time uh, processing what was contributing to those behaviors. So, like, mm-hmm. if that's the tree branch, you were kind of looking at the roots, Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what that was like?
0: One of the things that you learn or that I learned in my special education program was how to drill down a problem. So, you know, we've done these big general education tests. They took a fourth grade reading test. They failed it. Okay. Well, what do we do about that? And in general ed, that intervention would look something like, um, Oh, well, we will just review this reading material and give them the test again or something. But when they come into special ed, room and teacher is very specifically pointed to like, okay, so you you failed this fourth grade test. So how do we drill down? Like, why, why didn't you understand any of those questions? Is it that you don't understand the language they use? Is that your vocabulary is not at the same level as the test? Is it that you couldn't like physically break down the words and understand the sounds or what was the, the, like, what is getting in the way? And so often when I would follow that trail with my kids yeah, you you could break it down and say like, okay, well they have problems with these, um, you know, vowel pairs or whatever. But a lot of the times, the reason why they didn't catch that to begin with, some I mean, a lot of times it is a reading difficulty that just is how they're they're made. You know, that the the way that their reading skills are and the way that school is, they weren't made to be compatible together, and so they need mm-hmm. some extra, you know, something to come alongside a lot of times it's a kid that does have every capacity to read but or to learn math or whatever but the barrier is they can't access that learning because there's something else in their day in their current life in their history that is creating a that barrier and mm-hmm. usually it is some kind of trauma at some level yeah i mean like it's really hard to teach a kid how to read when he's like crying under your desk because mm-hmm. you weren't there when he showed up and thought maybe you were never coming back. Like his, mm-hmm. There was a kid that one time I, I ran to the office, which is like two steps away and came back right away. He'd showed up early, but saw that I wasn't there. And the thought, like, because I wasn't where I was supposed to be, he immediately went to, this person's abandoned me. They're never coming back. What am I going to do now? And crawled up in a ball and crawled on the desk and started crying. Mm. Well, now we don't have time for reading because we have... To meet that need? How do you reassure someone that just because you've seen a million people leave and never come back, that even if I'm sick, even if I'm in the office, even like you will see me again, I'm here for you. Yes, you have to overcome a lot of those barriers before Mm -hmm. you can get to all right, now we're ready to read guys. Yeah. Now we're ready to talk about spot and what he's doing with his bone, all the things like that. Yeah, so
1: and we've referenced on this podcast and those of you who know um, anything about YFC, you know that we reach kids in the margins and a lot of times those kids in the margins have, are dealing with trauma. will have to experience more trauma and have experienced a great deal of trauma. Um, so how have you seen YFC even through social distancing and how life has changed because of COVID? Like how have you seen, YFC continue to step into that and like meet those
0: needs. I mean, I think everyone sort of felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath them. You have plans. You've bought supplies for this game you're going to play one week. And then never mind everything. You don't get to see any of those kids face to face. And you think, oh, well, I'll see them next month. Oh, well, maybe after that oh, well, maybe in the fall. And now we're looking at, no, you will not. Like we will not get to 2024 maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've seen YFC leaders pivot really quickly and also take on stuff that like in a non-pandemic situation, you'd be like, well, I don't need to, I don't need to worry about how to run a Zoom club because we have club in person. I don't need to worry about how do we play an online game. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because we're going to play an in-person game and that's Mm -hmm. that's a weird thing to do. Um, But really, like really almost instantly, figure out how do you how do you run that technology? How do you get your face in front of kids' faces? How do you bring kids in? And also grapple with that, like, I can't just go find them. They have to, they have to come to me. And how do I do that? But I've seen YFC leaders be really cool with, okay, I set up this, I set up this appointment with kids, I set up this moment to meet kids, and only one kid showed up. Is that a failure? Or is that one kid that needed what you were offering so much they were willing to overcome all the weirdness of a Zoom call and not knowing who's gonna be in the room before you walk into it, all that? Stuff just to sit in a relationship because you offered it, and looking at that as a deep success, and seeing, and then using that opportunity to really deeply invest in the one kid that showed up in front of them and what they needed and what they were going through, Mm -hmm. and then I've seen that we've seen that kind of snowball into well, then that kid brings three more kids, and then that those kids bring seven kids, and then all those kids except Jesus. I'm not saying that even hyperbolically, like literally, that's happened. Yeah, where seven kids. Total strangers showed up on a Zoom call because one girl asked them to, and then they all accepted Christ. Like, that's happened. We have the 180 mentorship ministry, which looks like an adult leader. Spending intentional time with a a kid involved in the juvenile justice system, and they are there to to mentor them and to walk with them through life, which used to look like, oh, you can take that kid out for ice cream. You can go to a park. You can, you know, all these one-on-one relationship building things. Suddenly, no, you cannot. And you don't have a club to run. You just have one kid. And how do you do that? How do you know with one kid safely on the internet? You know, like, so right. you're not putting those kids at risk and yourself at risk and making things weird. And there's one story of a volunteer who was meeting with his mentee who when they were meeting before COVID, that specific boy had a really hard time communicating and would kind of just sit in the car and not say much anyway, kind of one word answers. And he had experienced various types of trauma and he's in a healthy home that loves him, but had come to that home with trauma. And now in this COVID pandemic experience, fully withdrawn into his room and wasn't talking to his mom or his siblings or just playing video games all day. And, and this volunteer was not able to like interact with him, would just hit brick walls every time he tried to interact. The coordinator was like, Hey, how about you try this one thing, try this different thing and see if that works out for you. Why don't you talk to the mom and see if you can just drop by and just stand on the porch and say hello. And so he did that. He brought some kind of little treat bag and stood on the front porch said hello and as this kid said the first full sentence that he'd ever said to him and you just he just looked out the door and said i miss you even when they were in one-on-one relationship when they could be in person mm-hmm. he'd never expressed that but he'd so deeply needed it I and mean, he needed it before but he really needed it now and hans went and did a different thing than he would normally do
2: mm-hmm. in
0: order to reach that kid in this moment and let them know you're not forgotten and we see you
2: yeah and we're
0: here for you even though this is really hard
2: yeah All right, you know what's next. It's time for take three. We are getting down to the practicals of what does it look like to meet kids who've experienced trauma in a time when we cannot physically meet them. Danny, what do you think? I would say
1: one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing, would be let God be God. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, one of the things that like, we talked about is how there's no research on how to like provide trauma informed care during a right. pandemic because we never we don't have any data to pull from. Like we're creating right. data right now, so we'll have yeah. great answers in like eighteen months, for the next us. pandemic. Right? Yeah, totally. But like for right now, we don't know. And right. God knew that we weren't going to know. So right. Like that means that He is still being God. So mm-hmm. not only are we just trying our best to take care of kids um based off of how we know to be in a relationship with them. But we're also like giving ourselves ourselves grace Mm. and just allowing ourselves to be taken care of as well. That way, we can allow God to work on us through this experience as
2: well. That's so good.
0: I also think it's important to remember that the goal is relationship. The goal is to be in relationship with kids, and it's also to teach relationship with kids. When I was a teacher my entire classroom management, behavior management strategy was relationship. Helping kids relate their relational behaviors, positive and negative into, you know, how does that serve you in this classroom setting? And how does this serve us as a team here? Um, And so that when they were doing something disruptive or that we could talk about how that was breaking the relationships we had together. Yeah. And how it's not just me being in positive relationships with them, with the kids in front of me mm-hmm. and my job and my relationship and my load for them, but that it's also guiding them into being in right relationship with each other yeah. and how their behaviors put them in right relationship with me, not just my behaviors towards them, mm-hmm. mentoring and modeling through those appropriate relationship behaviors and skills so that they don't continue down a path of trauma Mm -hmm. you know as much as it depends on you live at peace with all people so that empowering them right to do that so that they are not passing trauma on to the people around them or Mm. to people that come next future generations
2: etc helping them like stop the buck and like giving them the skills that they so that they can have full shalom Because I, I, even Danny and I have talked about this, or me and Josh have talked about this, but what's really, like, awesome about the way that we do ministry at YFC is that it's all Mm team-oriented. And so it's really about building – it's not like me and you, Erin, have a relationship and all of a sudden all of your relational wounds are healed. Like, that's just not realistic, I think, in order to find – full shalom, like it takes this combination of things and the kids involved in that. Mm-hmm. And so what you're describing too is like, okay, right relationship with your peers, right relationship with yes. yourself is like, a, that's a huge part of shalom, you yeah. know? And we at YFC are so fortunate that we get to help kids have right relationship with God. And mm-hmm. um so it's crazy. <laughs> like we talk about this all the time when we talk about trauma-informed care, but I think it just is so cool that we get to teach on something that is like fundamentally a part of the way our brains work in the context of a ministry that, where we believe that God made that that same uh-huh. brain, right? So that means that the same way that relationship, broken relationship hurt this kid is the same way that right relationship will heal it. Yep. Um,
0: you are literally building physical structures in their brain. So you crazy. Are literally like <laughs> they have physical structures that are built that are trauma related physical structures that when a trigger happens, when something throws them off for whatever reason they're their little synapses and whatnot just send the little lightnings through a path and what you're doing when you are entering into a healthy positive relationship with with anybody um, is that you are building a completely different pathway yeah and the hard thing is the other pathway never goes away it exists it lives there forever it is built and so that's kind of a lifelong burden mm. to to carry mm-hmm. but you've built this other road that they can choose yeah. to go down where before
2: it didn't even exist mm. like there is no choice and then i think for the third takeaway this week and this is so practical but just hold your plans so loosely in the example you gave of like preparing to do a reading lesson with your kids and you're like well that's not what we're doing anymore or you know the example you gave too of a, a club that only had one kid show up and they were like flexible to deal with that and then it led to all of these other things so i think that is a huge takeaway of just like we have to hold everything really loosely hold it with open hands and be okay with it changing because that might enable us to be more a part of what god's already doing mm-hmm. boom boom
1: well, Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you thanks for having me. You are just a of so much knowledge, and I just love listening to you speak. So it's it been an honor. Big facts. Um, so, yes, thank you, everyone, for tuning in for this week's Learning in Communities podcast by Tacoma Area Youth Christ. Uh, you can find us on any streaming platform, so iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and then, of course, TacomaYMC.org.